the show you know best from the Tri-City Broadcast is here for another episode of Everything in Independent League Baseball, and that is the Indy Bar Report Podcast. We are back again, episode number 122 of the Indie Ball Report podcast. I'm Nick, he's Will. There's not that much to discuss this week, but there is Tri-City, as always. Yep, uh, every week. It's it, Could we also, could we probably be named the Tri-City Valley Cats podcast? Because, I mean, and it's not like we go out of our way that, all right, what are we going to talk about Tri-City this week? There's always just something, whether it's good or bad, there's always something really interesting to talk about uh, from from Tri-City, and this week is no different. we got to talk about Tri-City. Exactly. Like I, At this point, I almost feel like we should just change it to like Valley Fever, because I feel like that'd be, the perfect, that'd be the perfect name for any sort of uh, Valley Cat podcast. Anyone out there I, wants I think- to do that, feel free to steal that, uh, by the way, but... So does Valley Fever have to be the name of the, of this of this week's show then? You know, I, it does. You you just say we work later on for figuring out the name of this. That that's the name. This is now Valley Fever. I think it's got to be Valley Fever. Twice today, you're saving me already. This is terrific <laughs> news. But <laughs> Tri City always finds a way to do something, whether it's being really bad or totally revamping their team seemingly over the course of two days. Or whatever it may be, they, they find a way to be talked about. So we're going to talk about them. We have a couple of little news items to get to first, but uh, they are going to have a, a bit of a headline later on. But first things first, news out of the Frontier League. Manager of the Evansville Otters, Andy McCauley, on Friday night, officially won his 1,000th game. This would be last Friday, not July 9th Friday. And actually, as a matter of fact, on July 8th, yesterday, as we record this two days ago, as you're listening to it, he won his 500th game as the Otters manager, too. So it's been a very big week for him. Uh, most of these wins came in the Frontier League. I'm talking about the 1,000 overall for his career. He won in Kalamazoo, London, Quebec, Schaumburg. This would be the Schaumburg Flyers, not the Schaumburg that exists today. Uh, Kansas City and, of course, Evansville, where he has now the vast majority of his wins. Quite a sizable amount here. He's managed since ni- since 1998, and he's been the Otters manager since 2010. So a worthwhile milestone to just make note of. Absolutely. I think he's been uh, one of, certainly been one of the better managers in, in all of the Frontier League uh, for, for a while now. And I think that, um, I mean, reaching 1,000 wins for, for any manager is, is certainly a worthwhile accomplishment. And, uh, I mean, Andy McCauley is, I mean, his resume is, is really excellent. Uh, when you look at all the places, at all the places he's managed, the success he's had in most of those places as well. So a great accomplishment, uh, and congrats to him. Yep, absolutely there. Uh, other news, mainly out of the American Association. Kurt Smith also had a really nice week this week. Uh, we mentioned a couple weeks back that he had tied the uh, Lincoln Celtics all-time home run record. 
He officially broke that on the 4th of July of all days. He hit home run number 91 on Sunday to become the dog's all-time home run king. And then again yesterday, as in Thursday, he played in game number 612 with the team. Uh, and that is also a franchise record for him. So congrats to Kurt Smith on his record-setting performance. Breaking two records in one week. That's really something. Hell, you, it's hard to break even one record. So, I mean, but, but Kurt Smith has had quite the resume uh, with, the, with the Salt Dogs. And, uh, of course, it's always... Um, <clears throat> we were kind of watching this home run milestone uh, for a while, but... Uh, the the games played the games played milestone kind of jumped up there. You, you could argue probably the best player, uh, the, the the greatest salt dog uh, in their franchise history, um, just like resume wise and what he's done there. But I mean, congrats to him and what what a week for what a week for Kurt Smith. Yeah, absolutely. He just uh, continues to keep doing it, and he has just been a stalwart for Lincoln essentially his whole career so congrats to him for for setting those two big uh, milestones uh over there but last bit of news also american association uh jack labor will have his number 19 retired by the fargo moorhead redhawks he holds the team record for wins starts and innings pitched the ceremony will be before the game on july 19th so about 10 days from recording this nine days uh, from the day that this episode will come out. So congrats to Jack Labor. And if you're in the greater Fargo-Moorhead area, why not go out there and support the guy so he's not having his number retired in front of an empty crowd? I've <laughs> seen that be before. I've seen that before. That That's what happened. Oh, uh, with Isaac Pavlik that, over in New Jersey, there was like maybe a hundred people in that stadium. And I felt so bad for the guy. And, and how many out of those hundred people knew who he was? Maybe 25. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was bad. Uh, that was, I really did feel bad for him that day. I mean, yeah, you know, that's, that's the risk sometimes with indie ball, especially when you're like retiring numbers. I mean, just cause the, so, so many, so many of the fans could be just, going out to a night at the ballpark and they're just like, Oh, this guy's number's getting retired. But uh, certainly congratulations to, to, to Jake labor as well. I mean, a great career in Fargo Moorhead. And yeah, let, let's hope he gets a very nice reception um, in, in Fargo Moorhead. And, and one other transaction news in the American association I actually just came across the wire about, at least we're recording this on, on Friday morning. So uh, came across about 30 minutes ago. Uh, the Winnipeg Gold Eyes uh, have signed Bud Norris. The, oh, yeah. The, yeah, yeah, former so Oriole. He, it, yeah, he really hasn't he hasn't pitched a whole lot um, recently. I believe he's 36 years old now, but uh, but certainly but certainly a big name. Um, he hasn't pitched. Last time he pitched in the bigs was 2018 with the St. Louis Cardinals as a reliever. It was actually pretty good that year. Uh, I think the expectation is that he comes out of the bullpen, a, a pretty big name that was that was just thrown on the uh, onto the Winnipeg Gold Eyes, despite the fact uh, that they are still under 500 but playing a little better at the moment. But well, I guess that's the perfect way to transition into uh, actual talk to it. Bud Norris is a is an impressive name, but. Yes. Uh, 
I didn't originally have them on the docket that we talked about today. We're going to talk about a couple other North Division teams, the first of which being the Milwaukee Milkmen. Uh, but Winnipeg's going to be a team that we may be uh, talking about next week, though, depending on how Bud Norris does. But as far as the Milkmen are concerned, they broke a three-game losing streak, or at least a three-game losing streak last night. 6-0 win over the Red Hot Cleburne Railroaders. Again, a team that's a fascinating team to talk about and actually isn't supposed to be talked about this week, but, you know, that's just because we're always talking about them. Um, but Milwaukee overall, 26-19, and a game and a half back of first place in the North Division. They are still a game up on third place for that final wildcard, or for that final playoff berth. 4-6 and six in their last 10. They went 0-3 against Fargo-Moorhead this past week and 1-2 against Cleburne, so they're actually on a five-game losing streak, it looks like, uh, coming into last night. They have three against Houston starting tonight, the 9th, and then they have four against the Dog, so they should have an easy three-game stretch, and then they have a very tough series against Chicago uh, coming up after that, so... They are going to need to continue to play good baseball. They want to stay in the middle of things. That North Division is incredibly competitive this year. Yeah, it's absolutely competitive. And even like the slightest slip up, uh, slightest like not so great week, and they find themselves out of first place. So, uh, but I feel like, and I feel like this guy isn't being talked enough, talked about as much now just because. The American Association is not the only show in town now. And, um, you know, there's other uh, independent leagues to focus on. Adam Brett Walker, he, he was amazing last year, right? Yeah. Uh, he won American Association uh, Player of the Year, certainly the best player in all of Indy ball. Well, you know, yeah. the uh, American Association was the only uh, team to play. He has been even better this year. Yeah, because he's hitting even for average. Better. Yeah, He's hitting for average. Not only that, he... So last year he hit 22 home runs in 57 games. He's already almost at that point. He has 21 home runs in just 45 games. His OPS is over 1100. And why is this guy? I mean, I'm sure the Milwaukee Milkmen and the Milkmen fans will take it just seeing this guy just hit bombs left and right. But why is he still here? Yeah, I, I especially like after the week they just had, or he just had. Like, coming into Friday's games, of course, that's the preface for everything that we're talking about here. He had five home runs in the last six games, and he's batting 364. And only struck out four times in 22 at-bats. Like, he, the guy gets on base alone on top of the fact that he's a tremendous power hitter. It really yeah. is kind of surprising he's still here in the same way that it's a little surprising why Keon Barnum wasn't, you know, released at all. But, I mean, obviously, you know, indie ball fans love the fact he's here, but it is, you're right, it is extremely you know, surprising. And you, I think you could make the case um, in 2020 that, like, listen, the strikeout numbers are really high. Maybe an MLB organization is looking at that. Well, the K numbers are super high. Do we want a guy like that who's, you know, 28, 29 years old, uh, who's, who's really not going to put the ball in play a whole lot? But he's kind of fixed that this year. I mean, he, I mean, he's only he's only K'd 39 times this year compared to 75 last year. Um, you know, slightly less, only 41 less plate appearances. So, it, I think that he he's really done a nice job cutting down the strikeouts, but none of the power. I mean, the power's just improved. 
So, I mean, and, and that's not to say, I mean, in the American Association, you've had so many guys had their contracts picked up. Uh, so it's not a league-wide problem, uh, but I'm just surprised Adam, um, Adam Brett Walker is, is, is still here, honestly. And he's, he's been that good. He's not that old. He's 29. Yeah, like uh, I would have thought so it would have been. Surprising. Yeah, I would have thought it would have at least been worth a pickup and put him in double A to start. And if he struggles, then cut him. But if he doesn't, then you know just promote him to triple A and see what he could do. I mean, he so, has a track record now of just dominating an in indie ball. And I don't even think when he was with the uh, Nationals organization, he was that bad. But uh, looking at elsewhere in the uh, Milkman organization here. Their issue so far this week, it looks like it's been pitching. Like, you can really only point at three or four guys, depending on how you want to look at it. Well, realistically, three pitchers here that have been doing a good job, and they're all relievers. And the starters just have not been really getting the job done. I mean, you have one start, Miles Smith just does not go well, eight earned runs in five innings. You have another start from Zimmerman, six innings, five earned runs. And now they start from Solter, five and two-thirds, four earned runs. Holmberg does have two starts, and in the two starts goes 11 innings. He gives up seven earned runs. But even still, it's just not really, the pitching's not really working. Because offensively, I mean, Adam Brett Walker alone is enough to do the job. Brett Vertigan's been doing good. Connolly's been doing good. Hill's been doing good. Trey Martin, not as good, but he's still, you know, producing some offense. And from there, it does trail off. Yeah. But offensively, they can stay afloat. It's just, they're just not pitching. Yeah. Yeah. They're not, they're not pitching at all right now. And, um, and and that's going to happen at points. I know, um, Severio was just brought in after coming from West Virginia. I know, uh, he did struggle quite a bit, uh, at least in the, um, in the Atlantic League this year there's trying to piece together a rotation on the fly at some points i think that's hurting i mean miles smith he started the he started the year really good uh in the rotation has definitely struggled of late stuff struggled throwing strikes of late uh, i mean you look overall i mean as we know he could be a great reliever uh mm-hmm. but you know 38 walks and 45 innings is just far far too many uh, even for a guy that's been, that's, you know, mostly been a reliever in his time with Milwaukee. Uh, so, but they can, they can still pick it up. I mean, they're a game and a half out. Uh, and we know how talented Milwaukee is. I, w- I really wouldn't be worried ab- about them at all. Yeah. No, I, I'm not all too worried about them, but they are in a very tough division. I mean, that's something you have to look at. The next thing we're going to talk about has been really hot. They're coming up on their heels. Then you have Fargo Moorhead that's coming up on them as well. It's uh, it's just one of those things where you have to kind of figure it out quickly here. I understand, you know, it's it's still sure. fairly early on, you know. I mean, how many games have they played in total? About, about 40 or so at this point? About 45 yeah. games? So you're at about the halfway mark as it is. So it's just you don't want to let it get out of control here. I assume you're going to have other guys that are going to start to get back to where they should be when they get uh, Mason Davis back in and playing regularly. Then uh, I assume that will help out batting-wise, pitching-wise. It is tough this year, I'll admit that, because once you start losing pitchers, they're very hard to replace because everybody wants pitchers this year. But, you know, it's uh, just something they're going to have to kind of figure out uh, sooner than later. Uh, in in Milwaukee, yeah, for sure. 
So on that, we'll go to that next and final American Association team for the week, and that is the Kane County Cougars. They are very hot as of late. They are 24 and 23 on the season. They are four games back of first place, approximately, or four and a half games out of first place, my mistake, about three games out of a playoff spot, three game winning streak for them. They are eight and two in their last 10, took two of three from Sioux City, swept the Houston Apollos. Took uh, extra innings to win at least one of those, so not the easiest series, uh, or not as easy as it should be for the Cougars, but they did manage. They have three against Cleburne, and then another three at Cleburne uh, this week. They have a very, very, very rough schedule coming up uh, in the future for them, because then they have like Chicago, Milwaukee, and Fargo-Moorhead as their next three series after that. It's it's not going to be easy for them, but they have been very, very hot the last week and a half or so. Yeah, they're playing good baseball at the moment, but I think, you know, they're, they're taking care of the teams that, that they're supposed to take care of. And that's at least that was at least kind of the expectation a lot of us had uh, for Kane County coming into this year. Um, you know, the, George Samus was hired pretty late. Uh, the roster was was kind of thrown together. So I think that uh, we thought they were gonna they were gonna beat up on the on the teams that that we knew weren't going to be so great, uh, but maybe struggle against the top half. And you know that that's pretty much that's come to fruition quite a bit so far. So I, I think this will be the big test for, for for them as their schedule really starts really starts to toughen up. Um, but hey, they're ta- they've taken care of business. That's really fueled a lot of this hot streak for them. Uh, but you know, the 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 biggest test is yet to come for Kane County. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'll give them credit for two or three from uh, Sioux City. I mean, they're first place in sure. the South, so yeah. I, I give them that. Uh, I see what you mean about the Apollos. I mean, the Apollos. Yeah, the Apollos. To the Apollos. That's their their thing here. I think we're going to tell a lot about them, not just this week, but next week as well. Because that's about uh, roughly 12 games against really the top echelon of the league or against some of the really good teams in this league. And if they're able to, I'd say, even go 500 you know, over the next two weeks, I think then they become a very serious team, especially if you have mm-hmm. one of those teams that's in front of you in the north. I don't think Chicago's going to slow down, but it could happen. If you have a Milwaukee still continue to struggle, that could be someone that could drop off. You could see Fargo-Moorhead perhaps drop off. There's some teams that are vulnerable in front. And if they can just keep pace against the good teams and keep beating up on the bad teams, I don't want to say that they can't make the postseason. I think it's a lot more realistic than we may acknowledge right now. But they, I will say there is a lot of work left to be done. They did hit very well this week, I will say. There's some guys like Roulette and Allen. Uh, they only got in three games, so it's hard to really say. Some of the more regulars, like uh, Lavalley and Clemens, they did okay, you know, between like 270 and 280. But then you had guys like Seymour bat above 300. You had a guy like Santoro uh, batting about 333. You had other guys batting better than that even. So you like to see that. Plus, they're not really a power team. Over the past week, they only had about five home runs in about however many games. So it's just, I I don't want to rule this team out. They hit well. They pitch really good too. I mean, you want to take a look at that and I'll let you dive into that. But they are not a bad team. I won't say that much. No, not a bad, not a bad team at all. And I think that in general, 
you know, you've had some you had some arms that have been that have been really good, especially into the back end of that bullpen. And you know, outside of a couple of guys, I mean, every team's going to have a couple relievers that that don't really perform. But I mean, I mean, overall, I think you look at guys like Stout and and um, and Sailor, uh, and of course, Visa has has been a rock. I know he he hasn't uh, probably hasn't made as many starts and thrown as many innings as you'd like to at this point. Uh, but I think the, the bullpen is deep. Uh, the starting rotation is solid. I'm not sure I would go and say that it's, re- it's a real plus rotation, but I, I do think it's, I do think it's solid overall. Um, you know, they've had some guys picked up. They've had Harkin picked up the event. They've had Vance Worley uh, uh, picked up at this point. So, you know, they're, they're facing similar problems that, all teams through indie ball are trying to replace pitching in a, in, a, in a year like this, where there's so many places for these guys to pitch and they're kind of being spread around. And, and that that's going to be something that they're going to have to, to figure out down the stretch. It's just such a tough division. Like yeah. You look at the roster and, and you, and, and there's a lot of good things. There's a lot of things to like, but again, it's just such a tough division that, you know, it's hard to see them sneaking into the top two. Uh, and I like, I do like, I do like Kane County a lot. It, I just think it's, it's tough to see them finishing ahead of a Chicago, a Milwaukee, a Fargo, Moorhead. And maybe they finish ahead of one, but even that, even then, that's still not good enough to get into the postseason. So, uh, I think we'll, we'll have to see, but, uh, the big week for them against some really good teams. Mm. Absolutely. Now I will say I do like the one-two combination of Tolls and Visa. I think that's a really nice one-two punch at the top. I do agree with you though. They need a little bit more uh, from starting pitching before I can really uh, call it a good rotation. But Visa is really good. Or Visa, you know, pronunciations aren't our strong suit here. Uh, but yeah, I mean, sixteen strikeouts and two starts is pretty damn good as a pitcher this past week. So I really do Thank like you. him a lot. So. On that note, uh, we're going to keep with the animal theme. And instead of talking about cougars, we're going to talk about the Valley Cats. And when you talk about the Valley Cats, uh, they are a very interesting team. Because if for no other reason, they're entertaining. They're 8-2 and two in their last 10 again. They're on a one-game winning streak. They're a game back uh, first place, which is not something we would have thought about a week ago. They're 16-19 and 19 on the season. They have... Four against Sussex starting tonight. They have three against Washington. And this past week, they were 3-0 and against uh, Quebec. One game was rained out, admittedly. And then they were 2-1 against the Boulders. And again, one game was rained out. This is a very interesting team. And the first name that comes to mind here is a guy we've talked about a lot. And I'm just happy that his nickname is catching on. Because it's catching on like wildfire. And we proved to be streets ahead on this. Because now even the Tri-City broadcast is picking up on the, the law firm's nickname of Trey Cochran Gillett, the law firm. And exactly. uh, for those who don't want to believe me, right here, you're going to hear a clip from the broadcast. I want to say it was Wednesday night. If I'm wrong, then I'll correct it in post so you won't even know. But yeah, take a look at this to know that we're not BSing you. Now we have some Trey Cochran Gill warming up. I haven't checked into this yet. There's a 
some sort of an inside joke that has been made by the Indie Ball Report uh, podcast that covers independent baseball teams. They call him the law firm of Trey Cochran Gill as Maxwell swings and misses at the payoff pitch and there's one away. They've covered the Valley Cats a whole lot, but I've heard that referred to on more than one occasion, the law firm of Trey Cochran Gill. So first off, that's really cool. I so wrote, cool. That, that was really cool here. And let me make sure I have the announcer's name correct. So that way I give proper credit where it is due on that front. But while I'm looking that up, I'm going to let Will just kind of gush about Tri-City this past week because they were actually a really solid team, like hitting and pitching wise. They they looked pr- pretty solid this past week. Yeah, they, they had an awesome week. I mean, the, the, not not really, uh, not really much else to say. I mean, they they had an awesome, awesome week, and it's a, it's amazing, and that's where you give credit to a guy like Pete and Cavilia, who was really able to piece so much of this team together uh, on the fly. When you know, so you looked, and there were so many releases that this team made uh, about a few weeks ago, and now all of a sudden they're great. And you know what? We we we, we joke about Trey Conquered Gill, but and uh, he has been brilliant. He really has brilliant been brilliant as the Tri City Valley Cats closer. He's got 11 saves at this point, a 1.40 ERA. Uh, which is just outstanding. Only walked nine guys, struck out twenty-eight. Uh, he's been he's been great. The starting rotation has improved a ton. A guy like Hyatt has been outstanding in the rotation. Uh, Parker Kelly has really improved uh, since the start of the season. He got off to a rough start, but now he's really starting to hit his stride. Fence Juan Silverio has caught fire. He's got eight home runs now. Dennis Fitz is starting to hit much better. Two guys that we knew that, that we knew were going to need to hit a lot better uh, if this team was going to go anywhere. And listen, we, we, we knew that Quebec right around this time, right around the Olympics, were going to start to struggle. And they are. Uh, and the boulders are starting to fade a little bit. This is Tri-City's chance. They had another great week. I don't see why they wouldn't keep this going uh, with this roster. I mean, they continue uh, they continue to have a lot of success. They're playing a very tough Sussex team. We we all know we all know how good the Sussex County Miners are. I mean, again, the way the Valley Cats are playing, I don't see why they can't play with them. And now at this point, they've played themselves all the way back, and they're only I believe a game and a half out of first place uh, as of Friday morning. So, I mean, it is is time to start talking about the Tri-City Valley Cats as a legitimate playoff contender. I think right now they're the best team in this division. If I were were a betting man, I would probably have them winning the division. That's how I feel about them uh, at this point and the way they're playing. So I think that it is is truly Valley fever, uh, despite the fact that I don't think we've ever talked this much about an under 500 team ever, but that's just how fascinating the Tri-City Valley Cats are. They are extremely fascinating. That's the thing. And the call was from Joe Mixie on Tuesday night that that came through. So uh, we appreciate the shout out there. But yeah, back to the actual baseball here. They really are that fascinating. You're right. Because it all started with that whole revamp of this team. And then Dennis Phipps is hitting like he's supposed to. Silvario's hitting like he's supposed to. Molina comes in. He's playing very well. Campos continued to play well. He was one of the few consistencies here. They brought in Phil Caulfield, but then they got rid of him. But Caulfield really was not playing that bad, at least the past week. So I'm not sure what was up with that. But 
Yeah, they have just like the slew of different guys, most of which I haven't really heard of. And they just find ways to either get on base or get runs across. I mean, as a team this past week, they hit 280, 346, 446. That's pretty good as a team. And they hit, they hit six home runs. So, I mean, like they, they're, they're doing what they need to do to get on. And they also drew 17 walks. Granted, they struck out about 50 times, but I mean, hey, you're still winning. Who gives a shit? And pitching wise, their worst pitcher this week was Parker Kelly. And even then, it was really one bad start. So, like, yeah. you can live with that. I mean, when your second worst pitcher is a bullpen arm with a 4-5-0 ERA, that's pretty good. Plus, you have Mr. Steady Arm and Trey Cochran Gill, Mr. Open and Shut Case, as it were, who's just closing everything out. Austin Klein, who's been terrific since becoming a professional. And... Everything about this team just is really coming together at the right time. They have what one, two, three, four, five real bullpen arms that all had an ERA of zero this past week. And one of the stats I think maybe a little bit more telling, just the on base percentage as a pitching staff for them in the past week was three seventeen and teams only hit two thirty against them. So yeah. it says a lot there. They only surrendered forty one hits. I mean, realistically, how many I think they only allowed about 63 base runners over the past uh, about 48 innings. So really, not bad by any stretch of the imagination. So I, they certainly are a good team. They are one of the few sub-500 teams we're going to continue to talk about because they really are just that interesting. Yeah, they, they really are uh, just that interesting. And, you know, the rest of the division is you know pedestrian at best like you know in any other division if they were in if they, if they were down in the uh in the evansville florence division they would probably be still screwed uh, oh but, yeah no know, they definitely would be there'd be no way around that even so, though even the northeast division with sussex there yeah so you know they're, they were in the right division to struggle i think that's the best way to put it but you know this team is not even recognizable from the team that, that nick and i saw in new york uh, that was just oh, yeah. kind of just a, a lifeless team, honestly, oh, yeah. at that point. Uh, and, and of course, that was very early in the season. But, you know, that, that team was, it was pretty lifeless. I mean, th- this team is now playing with energy. They're playing well. T- Pete and Cavillia has them playing great baseball. And, you know, and I think at this point, w- with a good week, they're, they're into first place, uh, which is incredible given where they were just about three weeks ago. Yeah, which, just quickly looking at the rest of the division, I don't even think it takes a good week for them. New York has three against Washington, and then three against Quebec themselves, and then obviously Quebec plays three against New York, and before that they play three against New Jersey. It's a very, very doable feat for them to just manage to split with Sussex and take two or three from Washington, and you're set. I think just like a pretty average week from them gets them in the first place, because keep in mind, they're only one game back We've said all along, or at least I've been saying all along, the boulders are about what you see right now. They're a sub-500 team, but not that far under 500. And I was always saying that could be enough for them to win the division. And Quebec was a team that I really believed in, but they're clearly struggling now. The Olympics are probably hitting them hard. And if you want to do even a deeper dive into their numbers-wise, you just there's just not enough out of the team as a whole. Uh, Batting-wise... 
there's about three, maybe four guys that you can point to and say, okay, they're doing well. That'd be Parra and Gobe and Castro. They're doing fine. You like what you're seeing out of them. Just from there, it gets really rough the rest of the way through. I mean, nobody else is batting above 250. And pitching-wise, yeah, your relievers are doing pretty good. And you got one good start at a nap, although, granted, it was a short start. But all the other starters just aren't doing it. Your three other starters are your three worst pitchers this past week. So it's just a really... It's a rough draw there for Quebec right now. They're just, they're struggling. And I think it's partially that road fatigue on top of the Olympic factor. Yeah. And, you know, as a whole, their pitching really has struggled this year. You know, and, and I think there, there's, the offense has been able to carry them at points. And, uh, and, and you're not, you're, you're starting to not see it so much, uh, at this point. And, you know, th- there's also the, the really the immeasurable, effect of playing every game on the road right so hmm. uh it, it's not really a situation that that we've that we've seen too much of course we've seen traveling teams but you kind of just write them off i mean this team is certainly a quality frontier league team but i mean it's just it's really tough uh for for a team to continue i mean they're 17 and 20 right now so they've played 37 straight road games at some point like I mean, yeah, we can talk about the stats over and over again, and we should, but that's got to be tough. Uh, that's that's got to be tough on these guys, and it's certainly not a positive. It's certainly something that, that it's some adversity that they have to face when, of course, teams like Tri-City and teams like Tri-City in New York that, that they're competing against for a playoff spot that they don't have to deal with. Uh, and so uh, – and. You know, as we really start to hit the dog days of summer in the Frontier League, how will they how will they look to, to deal with this problem? And it's really tough, and it's it's not it's not something that a lot of their peers have to deal with, and that's that's really the interesting part. Yeah, that that's really where it becomes difficult for them. Hopefully, they'll be able to start playing fairly soon. I think I saw that the Blue Jays were going back uh, into Canada on the thirtieth, so hopefully they're not far behind. Hopefully, they can get back in and at least play some home games and get some sort of consistency this year because i mean in addition to just not having any home games sucking i imagine the fans in canada really want to see a baseball game live particularly in quebec so i imagine if you're able to have fans in attendance you're able to play at home i think you could really see a big boost out of that it's just uh, they're in a they're in a real rough spot for quebec and then as far as rockland's concerned Again, they're just performing to expectation at this point, so I'm not uh, I'm not going to overthink that. Uh, yeah, that's, they are what they are. Exactly. I, they're they're going to do what they're going to do, and then if that works for them, and some someone else falls apart, they'll win the division. That's how they're going to win this division. If everyone else around them does slightly worse than they do, and they'll finish last if everyone else is above 500. It's as simple as that. Uh, on that note. Uh, quickly to the uh, Atlantic League. Only two teams I really wanted to talk about this week were Lexington and High Point. Lexington, who calling it a slump really isn't fair because they're still five and a half games in front in the South Division. They are still 10 games up in the South Division, and they are still four and six in their last uh, 10 with three against High Point this week, three against Southern Maryland. 
but uh, they were worthy of talking about in a little bit of length. High Point, meanwhile, they, I think it's fair to say they've struggled a bit. They're 500 in their last 10. They took three of four from Gastonia. Then they took one of three from both York and uh, Long Island. Obviously, they have three at home against uh, Lexington, then four on the road in Gastonia. They're one game under 500. They are second in the South. High point is it's not really getting to expectation this year. It doesn't seem. No, not not at all. I think that's that, that's the disappointing. Uh, that's the disappointing thing for for high point. And granted, they they ran into a hot Long Island Ducks team this week, uh, and so you know that's that's part of it for sure. Uh, but you know you, you look at a lot. You look at this team, and there's some they they've brought in guys like uh, Stephen Cardulo, uh, but. And I guess their offense, their offense, I actually think has been pretty solid overall, but the starting pitching just has, has really struggled uh, at this point. Um, some guys have not, uh, has some guys have not really performed up to expectations for them. And, um, and so again, I think high point is a team that's shown that they've been able to build teams on the fly. Uh, but, and, and luckily for them, uh, at least when you're looking at, of course, you're going to have, uh, it, of course, they can still be in play for a wild card spot as good as Lexington has been. Maybe not so much recently. I mean, it, it's funny to say, but the second best record in the league is 20 and 17, which is really weird. Like, it's not, it doesn't really, it's, it's not really, doesn't really speak to the league as a whole. I guess that, I guess you could say it's just like evenly matched. I mean, the worst team in the league. At this point, uh, percentage-wise, is York, and they're sixteen and twenty-two. Certainly not good, but uh, not not really what you're looking for as far as like worst in the league. So, I mean, again, a high point certainly been been disappointing at, at eighteen and nineteen. But I, I think at the same time, there's plenty of time for them to turn it around. I don't know about winning the division. You know, Lexington's Lexington's pitching struggled this week. Uh, unfortunately for them, they went to place where pitchers go to die, aka Clipper Magazine, uh, and you know they they also they also really struggled in the in the pitching department this week. Uh, however, I mean you you looked at like Henry Owens, his last start uh, on on Thursday night, he was walked six guys in two and a third innings, and uh, and and so he struggled a bit. Uh, and they blew a lead late, but I think that, you know, pitching really struggles usually in Lancaster. So I really wouldn't look too much into it. And not to mention they, they started to, their pitching started to struggle. What do the Lexington legends do? They don't sit around. They just bring in Jeremy Jeffress, uh, the, the guy who, who's, um, really is not far off from being an electric major league baseball reliever. Like seriously, he hit a point, and of course he's getting up there in age now, uh, and he's and he's struggled a bit in recent years. However, I mean he was just in the big leagues last year, so uh, and they were, they were able to bring him in. I mean, look at the end of the day, uh, he 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 was really good at. I mean he was great in 2018 with Milwaukee. I think that's what people best known him for. And I guess with and then with the Cubs in 2020. Dude had a 154 ERA. So, so now he gets to go against Atlantic League hitting with that. I mean, you hope he can keep the walks down, I guess. I mean, I don't know. but I, I don't know why uh, he isn't signed anywhere, but, you know, and the Lexington Legends said, okay, why don't you come pitch for us? And 
that's a, that's exactly what happened. So what do you do? You just bring in Jeremy Jeffers and you bring in Austin Adams, a former twin twins and tigers reliever. So, uh, so it, it's quite, it's quite something that, that the legends can reload like this, which is why I'm not worried in the least about their pitching staff, despite the rough week. Yeah. Like uh, that's the thing they, they can, not only can they reload on the fly with them, they also just hit like hell. They just find ways to generate offense. Like if you look at their team, offensively speaking, there are more guys batting above 250 than there are guys batting under 250. That's the crazy thing about them. So they're always going to get on base, always going to score runs. That's just kind of what they do. So whatever's whatever as far as uh, their hitting is concerned. And pitching, uh, again, if you're hitting, pitching doesn't matter all that much. As far as high point, because I do just want to say one other thing about them. Sure. That's a, that team, like, I don't want to say they're disappointing, but they are a weird-ass team. Like, offensively speaking, I feel like they really should be better. They have the better pieces. But, like, who exactly is, like, their kind of big rig on offense? Like, that's what I'm trying to, f- I'm struggling to find here. Like, yeah, there's Russell. He's been good. Johnny Fields been, which Johnny Fields weird too. He did terrible in Kansas City. Then he comes to high point. He plays well. Cardula's been playing well. I'll give you that. And McOwens. But outside of that, I'm not really seeing all too much here as far as offense is concerned. I mean, Jerry Downs even has, uh, the first base has hit really well also, but. You know, I, I really think it's more a problem on, on the pitching side of things for them, uh, and that that's something that they'll that they're going to have to solve. I mean, at this point, they're they're fourth in the league in team ERA at, at five point three zero, and you know, obviously, it's not terrible compared to their uh, compared to their peers. But I mean, you probably want to stay away from the Yorks, West Virginias, Gastonia, Lancaster as far as uh, as far as pitching numbers. Also, Lancaster ERA check, team ERA check, seven point seven eight. Still worse, or you know, I want to say they improved though over uh, since last week. I think they did. Yeah, I think they did. They got better, but I think they're still like overall the the worst team though, right? Oh, Lancaster. Yeah. Oh yeah, pitching wise, certainly. I mean, okay. they're they're off the fact. I mean, the fact their offense has been so good, it's picked them up like to to be five hundred is kind of incredible. Uh, and they were able to play with Lexington. This, I mean, listen, la- last night or Thursday night, I should say, against Lexington, they won ten to eight in extra innings. So there you go. That, that's that's how you win ball games. So um, I, I just think I, I think High Point still has still has some time to figure it out. I mean. Certainly, some guys in their in their starting rotation really have not uh, have not been as good as you would like them to be. I think. Uh, however, I think that's that's a league wide problem. I mean, even I mean, Craig Stem has a nine ERA, uh, and he's pitched better of late, uh, a lot better of late. Uh, but at the same time, he's uh, it, it, he's they expected a lot more out of him in the starting rotation and. I think that I, I, I think I could see them picking it up eventually because it's not like anyone else is blowing it out of the water other than Lexington. But you know, uh, their struggles are certainly worthwhile mentioning. Uh, worthwhile to mention. Yeah, I think their saving grace too is we know they're a better team than this. And for those wild card spots, who else is really going to take it? I mean, like 
three teams in the playoff, I think, are set here with Southern Maryland, at least as of now, Long Island, and obviously Lexington. The other spot, I mean, it's pretty open as far as that's concerned. You would, you would think High Point takes control of that spot here at some point, too. You'd have to think it. So uh, I think with that, we're just about done here. So we'll go to the plugs, anything to add, and then we'll get out of here. Um, if you want to follow the show on social media, you could do so on Twitter at IndieBallPod, on Instagram at AOPB underscore news for all your Atlantic League news, and at uh, Indie Ball Report. We start up some new series, a weekly roundup. We started up a alumni update, and then a team history on the Instagram. So be sure to check that out uh, at some point here. If you want to find the links to anything we discussed today, uh, you can do so by going to the show notes on the website, IndieBallReport.com. Again, thanks to Tri-City for letting us use that audio clip. Appreciate that. And um, you can subscribe to the show wherever you find podcasts. Let's tune in Stitcher, Podomatic, uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, you know, just about anywhere you find podcasts, you can find, download, and review the show. Appreciate you doing such. Uh, with that said, do I have anything else left to add? Uh, so, my thing to add, uh, I am very pro-DH, as people know. However, that that Daniel Camarena home run from from Thursday night off Max Scherzer, the, the Padres were down 8-2 to two against the Nationals in the fourth inning. Uh, and Daniel Camarena, a reliever who was relieving you, Darvish, who really struggled, uh, took a, a fastball from he took a fastball from Scherzer that was like at his shins, and he somehow golfed at 416 feet for a grand slam, a reliever. Uh, so that was insane. The Padres took that energy, ended up winning the ball game. Uh, and so the Nationals blew an eight nothing lead, which I'm, I'm sure makes your heart happy. Uh, Mr. Nick Firestone. Uh, and the DH. Well, I'm not talking about the DH. I'm talking about the Nationals blowing an eight nothing lead. Oh, well that, but I'm still, I'm still hung up on a pitcher, you know, actually like hitting a grand slam. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so as, that, that was in, incredible. I mean, it, it, it's just wild that, uh, that 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 would happen. And, you know, as, as I'm not a fan of pitchers hitting in general, but that moment was very awesome. So that's my thing to add. San Diego is a pitcher's paradise in the sense they can always hit a home run there. We saw Bartolo Colon. Now we've seen this. This is why the DH should be banned. I could care less about the game itself. I care highly, highly about pitchers raking. And this needs to continue. We need more pitchers batting. With not less. We need more. We need a pitcher's more home run derby in cores is what we need. But regardless, uh, only thing I have left to add, uh, Italy, and I know this is very surprising because I've kept saying no American gives a damn about soccer, uh, except for when it comes to Team Italy. They're in the Euro Cup final. Go beat England. Screw bringing it home. It's coming to Rome. So, let's go Italy. So, with that said, I don't think we have anything else left to add. Until next week, don't forget to play ball.